Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth. Hopefully, people understand after last week's show what top cat is now. And if you didn't already, hopefully you YouTubed uh, the top cat theme tune. Toby, how's it going? Good, mate. Good. Went to West Ham Leeds on Sunday, so West Ham's final home game of the season. Good performance. Uh, Europa Conference League final to look forward to. Yeah. Happy chap. Uh, Graham, not so happy in your Middlesbrough front. I think, did we touch on that last week? Um, so, well, we um, did, but we have well, to touch on well, it again. Since... Well over it. Now I know today. I'm uh, I'm the father of a teenager now, so happy birthday to my daughter today. It's her birthday. So uh, all thoughts with her today. And uh, yeah, the football season. Roll on the golf. It's golf season now, Scott. Yes, indeed. I have seen uh, over the last few days some viral golfing moments. Anyway, uh, we're here to talk about football and we're here to talk about transfers. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey for all the latest on the transfer front from 90min, 90min.com forward slash talking transfers for the written form. This is your audio package uh, on what's happening in the transfer market at the moment and over the next few weeks and months. We are edging closer to the summer transfer window. I believe does the transfer window open on like the the ninth to the twelfth of June in England? I like, think it's straight after the Champions League final. I think it's a, or whatever Monday around the Champions League final. Yeah, twelfth of June then. Yeah, in that case. So, yep, we're not far away. Uh, obviously, there are certain clubs and certain leagues that can only register players from July first, but I think England is often the first one to go. There's probably going to be some deals pretty much tied up soon after the season finishes. Uh, Graham, this this isn't in the running order, but I've seen a lot of talk around Alexis McAllister uh, to Liverpool. And this, this to me looks perhaps one of the early ones that we can expect. Is that the case? Liverpool wanted to be. Yeah, we discussed a few weeks ago, didn't we? Um, Liverpool are trying to get this done. They're, they are fearful of others joining the hunt. And we actually see, we've seen the Manchester City links recently as well. So it's no surprise. We've seen Liverpool miss out on players like a Chumani, etc. in recent years. And and they, they want to get us over the line. They're bringing two or, two or three midfielders that are going to come into Anfield. And McAllister is very high on their list. There was talk that McAllister wouldn't be going because of uh, um, Champions League football. That's a nonsense. That's been ruled out. When Liverpool come in for you, they appreciate they McAllister does appreciate them. He will. He has been talking to them. Um it is somewhere down the line in terms of talks, um, but there are they haven't committed to Liverpool yet. They haven't said, "Yeah, we're definitely going." So I think they are just making sure there's no other options out there. As good agents do, you know, they're making sure that all the options have been looked at, um, and there's no one else coming in for him. Not that he doesn't want to join Liverpool, Costas. It doesn't mean that he, he would um, reject them if someone else did come in. But um, yeah, they are trying to get this done, Scott. They want this do, doing ASAP. On today's show, we'll talk Tottenham's manager again. Uh, we'll talk some potential incomings to Spurs as well. We'll talk Declan Rice, as we usually do, because Toby's here. Uh, we'll talk uh, Joshua Kimmich, Neymar, what Man United are going to do with their striking options and some other players that could be... Well, we'll talk, we mentioned Alexis McAllister there. Maybe there's a, a replacement coming in 
that we'll talk about later in the show. We'll also talk about Malcolm as well. Remember that lad, Barcelona player Malcolm, who doesn't play for Barcelona anymore, but this um, he's causing a bit of a stir. So we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. And I've already done all the plugs, so let's get into it. Uh, Tottenham's manager chat. Uh, Graham, I'll come to you because Spurs ended their season with a, well, their home season in the Premier League with a 3-1 home defeat to Brentford. Ryan Mason has been vocal in saying that he wants to get the manager's job. I think we we can pretty much <laughs> rule that out now. Uh, I even saw some fans after the, after the first half of Spurs' performance against Brentford saying, oh, we should have just let Mason be in charge this entire time. And it might have been more fun. And turns out they ended up conceding three goals in the second half and losing 3-1. And they're Lap, the lap of appreciation for the players at the end turned into absolute farce and nobody was there. So uh, Daniel Levy, I saw actually, uh, I saw Daniel Levy get a pat on the knee uh, from the person sat next to him. Uh, it'll be all right. It'll be all right, Daniel. Don't worry. And that, the TV cameras picked it up, but he's got a hell of a job to do, Graham, hasn't he? Uh, where are they leaning? They, they, they want a sporting director, they want a manager. Is it clearing up now who they want? In terms of a manager, yeah, it is. Um, they're still insistent they don't have a number one target, but we do believe Annie Slot um, has told Feyenoord that he wants to join Tottenham. Tottenham have been impressed with him so far in the process to do like him. He is firm favourite. The likes of Luis Enrique, Ruben Amarim, Anish Postacoglu, Celtic, and a few of us, Thomas Frank, Silva, Rogers, Potter, we've all, talk, we've all discussed these in recent weeks. They are on the list, and, and they haven't been ruled out yet. So there are options out there, but Arnie Slot is someone who Spurs, as I say, like, being impressed by him. He's won the Dutch League, and they are progressing with this now. Um, it's getting close. His agent is Rafael Pimentel. Pimenta. Pimenta. And... She's discussing it with Feyenoord now. He has a release clause which doesn't kick in until next season, which is six million. And Spurs are going to have to pay more than that to get him out now. We discussed before the show in the assistant chairman. They don't mind spending millions upon millions of pounds on even League One Championship or lower league foreign players. But when it comes to managers, they will not pay. Um, so we, from what we're being told, around ten million is what Feyenoord are looking for, something less than that. But yeah, it's getting to that stage now where yeah, slot. Could be confirmed this week. That's what we're hearing. Um, Spurs not confirming it just yet. But yeah, talks are ongoing. And Slot wants a job as well, which is a big thing. You know, you can't... Feyenoord love him. They really do. He's great. Um, I think he's a special manager. But obviously, as we know in football, it's very hard to keep someone if they really want to leave. So is this a bit left field for you? Because obviously, it's a massive change in tack from Spurs, given the foolproof plan of employing proven winners just to end up being engulfed by the spursiness of spurs in the end this is a this is a different direction they're going in if if they do go this way we've said for a long time they need a rebuild and i think this could be the direction to move in in order to facilitate that arnie slot's only been a manager I think for four seasons, um, did less than 18 months at AZ before joining Feyenoord. And as Graham says, he's done a really, really good job. Won the Eredivisie this season, got to the Europa Conference League final last year. Quite a good run in the Europa League this season. So he's clearly got a platform to build on. He's a developing coach. Tottenham have got a lot of things on field to sort out personnel-wise, 
balancing their playing squad. I think the entire defence needs an overhaul. We've spoken about that previously. And Feyenoord's, from what I've seen, have got a relatively tight ship. They play good football. Their their defensive record is impressive. Um, and Spurs fans have been clamouring to see something different. And we've had the Mourinho and Conte experiments that have now failed. And Arnie Slot could be the kind of... Uh, continental Europe equivalent of of a Graham Potter who comes in with new ideas, uh, fresh thinking, and is just what Spurs need to kind of turn that corner because as it stands, they are drifting away from the big six, um, in my estimation. And a lot has got to change there in order to turn that round. It's a it's a risk though, right? I mean, obviously I'm I'm looking at his record, 158 games as a manager you say four years, Toby, or whatever. And one of those seasons, I believe, was uh, cancelled due to COVID. So not a not an extensive record. I mean, he's, he's got... He's, he's proven himself on the pitch, but maybe not the biggest uh, profile in terms of, like, doing it for long enough. It's a big risk for Spurs, but Graham, is this... I think this may be the, the profile of manager that Spurs need, but is it a little bit left field in a sense? Because I think there's other managers maybe who have Premier League experience that could ga- effectively guarantee you a more solid footing than this in case it, this might go wrong. Yeah, of course it can. But, you know, hey, it's gone wrong under Antonio Conte. It's gone wrong under Antonio Conte. So if it can go wrong under Antonio Conte, it can go wrong under anyone. Um, obviously, Luis Enrique, I think, is probably the strongest candidate, but there's an awful lot of things got to be put in place before he agreed to to drop down to Spurs. If sorry to say that, but it would be a drop down for him. And yeah, you know, as we mentioned, the Graham Potters, the Brendan Rodgers, Ruben Amarim, um, the sporting manager, Ange Postacoglu. I think they're all very much in that bracket. They'd all be classed as as risky. And so is Slot the best of that bunch? Who knows? That's a problem. Who knows? Is Angie the best one? Um, is Amarim the uh, new Mourinho? We, we just don't know, do we? Um, and so that's a, that is a huge gamble on any of those managers. I think Enrique Sides got, I think they're all very at a similar level. They'll all be risky. Um, apart from maybe the two British ones, Potter and Potter Rogers, you know what you'd be getting. But would that make you elite? I'm not sure. So I do wonder whether... Levy looks at this and thinks maybe Slot has the highest ceiling and he could have the highest ceiling. Potentially. I mean, Luis Enrique always to me screamed as this a similar profile of manager to the last two that they've tried and mm. failed with, even if their styles are different. Uh, Toby, what will Harry Kane think of this? Well, I don't think he'll be wowed by it, but as we've just said, he's gone through the Conte Mourinho experiment where you've brought in the big name manager to turn things around and that hasn't happened. Um, I think if he was really given the opportunity to join a big club, a Manchester United, for example, I think Harry Kane would want to take that. But I think those doors are closing. As the weeks go by and the days go by and there's less chat about Harry Kane moving on, I think the likelihood of him staying at Tottenham increases. Um, look, He might look at this with a fresh perspective as well and think, I can help turn Tottenham into what we want to be at the moment. It is the Harry Kane show, in essence. And if he wasn't scoring goals, I'm not sure where Tottenham would be. Um, it won't fill him full of excitement, but look, 
Arnie Slott's got a decent record. I think his winning percentage as a manager across those 150-odd games is over 60%, which is pretty damn good. His record at RZ was very impressive. He actually left there, didn't he, because he'd already negotiated with Feyenoord taking over. I think they sacked him. Sacked him, yeah. Um, so he's got history of walking away after not very long in a job. I guess that's the only other thing to consider here. But yeah, I don't think Kane um, will be overly inspired, but he might not have any other options, Scott, if Daniel Levy prices him out. Well, said this from the very beginning, that Harry Kane will have to push out if he wants to make this happen. But anyway, uh, let's talk about incomings that uh, Arnie Slot could bring with him, Graham. Is there a player that he has his eye on? Yeah, Orkan, Orkan Kochu. Um, sorry if I got his pronunciation wrong. The young Turkish midfielder come through the system at Feyenoord. A special player. Really is a special player, this one. Um, he's someone who the Premier League know all about. Spurs know all about him already. But we, we're told that if and when Slot comes in, this kid will be the first through the door. Outstanding talent. And it should be one. I like this sort of one. This is one who Spurs will get excited by. He's a real, um, a real playmaker. It's probably what Spurs really, really need as well. You know, it is. It, it sounds silly, but this one signing um, could help transform the Spurs team because he really is a huge talent. He really is. Can he? You know, we've seen this jump from from Eredivisie um, to the Premier League. It, it's there's no guarantees, but it has it has worked well in recent times. You know, we've seen Martinez um, in Manchester United, the particular highlight um, in, in last last season. So. Yeah, I think I think it's one where, um, if Slot if and when Slot gets a job, I th- it's fair bet that he's first through the door. Similar age profile to Christian Eriksen, isn't he? When he joined Spurs mm. from from Ajax, um, creativity is the one thing Tottenham don't have in their central midfield. All of their options are the same, and. Harry Kane has been that constant source of goals, but he's had to fashion a lot of those chances himself or hope that Son's in form or Kulisevsky has a good day, but they've both had a lot of bad days this season and Spurs need another outlet. And for years and years and years, Ericsson provided those kind of chances. So I think central midfield and a creative um, young player is absolutely the first thing that Spurs need to be looking at. Yes, indeed. Uh, it might indicate a change to a 4-3-3 from uh, the Conte back three and the Stellini back three that we've seen in, in recent years and months. Uh, a bit more excitement, fingers crossed, for Spurs. He, do, he does play, yeah, he does play a far slot as well, doesn't he? He plays a 4-2-3-1. Yeah, the Spurs fans I've spoken to, they, they just want their club to feel like their club again. That you know, No matter... <clears throat> they they went they went through this phase of trying to win and it's caused a disconnect and I think they now need to find a manager who is going to just do the basics right play entertaining football make Tottenham fun to watch again and I think that is a big step towards making players with a big number nine as well Scott so he's and Jimenez there already the young Mexican lad so they do play with a big man as in, as up through the middle Yes, indeed. Let's see how that develops. Interesting. Seems like Spurs might have made a decision, but we await to see how that develops. Now, Toby, let's start talking about Declan Rice again. We talked about him last week. Links to Bayern Munich this week. Uh, Obviously, because why wouldn't Thomas Tuchel want Declan Rice 
But we know which way this one's going to go, don't we, really? Yeah, Bayern don't have the financial muscle to sign Declan Rice. I think it's that simple. Um, news of their interest, is that really a surprise to anybody? I think Rice is on the radar of every top club in Europe. They may not have made their interest public, but that's because they don't have the capability of signing Rice. So why would you? But there's no team who wouldn't want to add Rice to their midfield. Um, Bayern, yeah, I can see why Thomas Tuchel would want to bring him in. Bayern potentially looking to freshen things up. They might actually lose the Bundesliga this season for the first time in, what, 11 years. Uh, so it could be a bit of a reset uh, happening there next season. Rice would be the perfect player for that, I don't doubt, but he's worth 100 million, as we've said. I think his performances over the season in a struggling team have emphasised how good he really is. But Bayern don't spend that money on players. I think their record signing is Lucas Hernandez for 80 million euros. Uh, Matthias De Litt for 70-odd, but they haven't got a big track record of doing this. And they need a striker, first and foremost, don't they? Sadio Mane. I think they're relatively but, critical of clubs that do as well, right? <laughs> that do behave like that. I, I, and I think I think I don't think it's a case that they couldn't afford him. I think they could, in theory. Because and they're gonna have to spend a lot of money on Colin Moani, who's likely to be their number nine. But I think one thing we miss with Bayern as well is and and a player who 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 was essential to their defeat at the weekend, Conrad Lima, was sensational in that game. He absolutely <laughs> he he dominated that Bayern midfield with Kimmich in. And obviously, he will be part of that midfield from next season. He's a he's a sensation. I think Lyme is a sensational player, and I think that's probably a big reason why um, they probably wouldn't wouldn't not not uh, they not they wouldn't need Rice, but I think they've got cover there with Lyme coming in. Well, you mentioned Lyme there. You mentioned Kimmich as well. Uh, I'll come back to you, Toby. I suppose. What do we make of the speculation around Kimmich over the last few days? There have been conflicting reports. What's what's our stance on it? Yeah, noise is that Joshua Kimmich is considering his long-term future at Bayern. He's got two years left on his contract there. He's 28 years old. He's been at Bayern. Uh, has he been there throughout his career? Was he an academy graduate? Or did he... Wasn't he, si- he signed from somewhere, wasn't yeah, he? I, yeah, that's what um... I was thinking. But he's been there for a number of years and he's obviously yeah, yeah. one of the best defensive midfielders in the world can also play it right back has got everything to his game and has been essential for Bayern in all of their success over recent years but things haven't been so great this season I think there's been some off-field issues he didn't necessarily take too kindly to how the Julian Nagelsmann saga played out and with two years left it's our understanding in the intermediaries of just reached out to gauge what kind of interest there would be around signing Kimmich. And again, we've said a number of teams want central midfielders. Players like Joshua Kimmich don't become available each and every summer. So not saying that there's going to be activity this uh, window. We don't anticipate there would be. But there's no surprise to learn that all of the Premier League big boys, Barca, Real Madrid, PSG, would all have some level of interest in at least finding out what a deal would cost. Uh, Bayern, their stance is they want to keep Kimmich and probably look to renew his contract. But we've seen players in years gone by leave. Uh, Tony Kroos is an example when he went to Real Madrid. So I don't think we should be too surprised if Kimmich doesn't put pen to paper on a new deal. And then we get to next summer 
when he's got a year left and then this actually materializes into something something proper yes indeed uh, stuttgart and leipzig uh was his career that's it for reaching Bayern Munich, and he's been there since I believe 2015, and has developed into one of the best all-round players in the world, really best midfielders in the world. I know that uh, our colleague Jack Gallagher particularly likes him, so uh, fingers crossed he might end up turning up at Derry, but we'll see. <laughs> Can you see him, guys? Can you see him as a Gundogan replacement long term at Manchester City? Yeah, special. I mean, I mean, he's equally as good mm. if not better so yes from that standpoint I think uh, I actually see him looking to try his hand in La Liga if he does yeah. leave Bayern I think he's he might have Barcelona written all over him uh, he might be sure. frustrated he's seen Bellingham get his move to Real and he's sat at Bayern and might be a bit of frustration there of course, everybody wants to join Barcelona nowadays the problem is Barcelona can't afford anybody <laughs> uh, so we're just putting him in that box now, uh, let's move on because we're going to talk another, well, a former Barcelona player in this case, Neymar. We uh, we reported a few weeks ago now of Newcastle's ownership structure potentially exploring a deal for Neymar. It's another United that will maybe be reaching the Champions League next season who have been linked with him in the last 24 hours or so. French sources suggesting that Neymar was, or Man United were in active negotiations to sign Neymar. Now, Graham, this is, is it intermediary driven, let's say? It is a bit. Within within our story um, on Neymar, we did mention that the likes of United City, Arsenal, were all being kept informed. And that was being driven from the Neymar PSG end where they were letting these clubs know of the situation. So United have been aware, my United that is, have been aware of what's going on here. Um, and yeah, intermediaries are hard at work. Newcastle now to qualify for the Champions League. This might accelerate a little bit, you know. P- PSG want Neymar out. That's base, That's the basic end, end of it. And who who can afford Neymar? There's only you know, there's no point in even talking about a lot of clubs. We know there's only there's only a handful of clubs in the world who can afford Neymar, not including Middle East, Saudi Arabia. But if he stayed to stay in Europe, we know it's PSG, Bayern, and the Premier League, isn't it? Really, that's it. So um, it's not hard for us to work out who might be where the landing spot might be. And yeah, United, if they really were interested, could afford him, could take him. You know, a lot of people think he doesn't fit Newcastle's model. I think he does, etc. I think he fits in with what people want to do. I really don't think he fits in with the United model at all. You know, United, their squad, you could argue, has got a few holes. Left forward isn't one of them. <laughs> it really isn't. Um, they're about to hand a very big contract to Marcus Rashford, the hope so anyway, very soon. Um, no, I, I think that United are aware of the Neymar situation. It's fair to say that, but he's not on their list of targets at this moment. Of course, the ownership is still uncertain and mm. maybe things can change down the line. But mm. even even Eric Ten Hag doesn't strike you really as a, the, kind, <laughs> the kind of coach who would think, oh, I, I know what I'll just drop in here. We need Neymar, who is has played 20 games in Ligue 1 this season. If you didn't have Rashford and you, you had a hole there, it's possible, but... United one one of the best stock teams in the world on that left side. No, Marcus Rashford's going to be there for ten years. I hope so. Of course, the, the fanfare that would come with Neymar is 
the complete polar opposite of what Terra Ken- Ten Hag is looking to build at Manchester United. It just does not fit. Uh, <laughs> might be a dream signing from a commercial perspective, which is why owners want to do these deals so that they can generate income another way. But on the field, it just it just doesn't make sense and would completely upset the balance of that dressing room, surely. Yes. Well, maybe Neymar could play in the number 10 if United signed signed a, you know, a, a midfielder who can cover the ground b- behind him alongside Casemiro and uh United having trouble breaking teams down and scoring goals, finishing chances, maybe Neymar can just pop up in the 10, do some nice <laughs> footwork and just slot it in the bottom corner. No, I don't think this one's going to happen in the, in these uh in these current circumstances. What you know what United do need is a center forward and uh Graham, there's not too much really that's changed since our last update on United's striking situation, to be honest, is there? But uh, just let's just uh, give a recap on it. I don't know whether you want to do it or whether I should. Yeah, well, um, you're putting together or you put together a piece, Scott, you know, about um, the situation. And we've spoken to sources close to United, um, haven't we, about this story? And, and Harry Kane, yeah, and as we, we've said, Harry Kane would be the number one target if all was well and good in the world. You could just go and get him for a set fee. Yeah, Harry Kane comes in. But there is that suspicion, we understand, within Old Trafford that this is not an easy deal to do. Daniel Levy is not about to take... He's not even going to take your phone calls. It's not going to get done anytime soon. And United, what we are being told is Ten Hag wants these signs in. He wants them. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its opera ski scene and award winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. Before August. And ideally, before the preseason tour in the US, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and Daniel Levy knows this as well. And he literally could just ignore calls, ignore whatever for a certain amount of time. And he knows United are going to move on. And United aren't silly. They're not sitting, they're, United aren't sitting there going, right, it's Harry Kane and Offin. They're not blinkered in this approach. They, they're doing the homework on other players. Osterman being one of them. But you know, it's not that United can't afford him, but it's value for money. It's do they have money to spend elsewhere? He's going to go for a lot of money, Osterman. I'm not sure United are going to match £130 million for him. I just don't see. I think, and as we talk about obliterating the transfer record, and and Scott, we we do know United. Uh, there is a consideration there. We spoke about this before on the pod. You could sign two strikers for that, which is something United are considering. You go and get Vlaovic, as we talked about him before, for seventy million pounds, um, and then you can go and get a Kudos, a Sesko, um, a Pender, whoever it may be, another one to come in as well. And so, I mean, if you take, if you look at it from that point of view, the Osterman deal doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, he's he's a great player, but for that money, it's a lot of um, eggs in one basket, and it's a lot of money to give uh, to give up mm. to a, a player that is not. I know he's got the he's got the makeup to to play in the Premier League and score a lot of goals, but it's not a guarantee. And we have seen mm. strikers come from Italy in the past, as we've said on the previous shows, that necessarily don't doesn't always work for them. Definitely. Even Romelu Lukaku, there's, yeah, there's, other, exactly. there's other examples yeah. of that as well. Yeah, uh, so I, th- I think that's something United are looking at. I think it's to Ten Hag. You know, Ten Hag will have the final say on this. Who he want, who he wants. Um, you know, he may surprise us. He missed. Uh, look, 
I'll take I'll take a Kudos or a Ramos or a Jimenez who we spoke about. Who who knows? I but I think it'll be one of those big three. I think Vlaovic, Osimhen, or Kane. I really do think Vlaovic takes a lot of box. I know I know you've you've directly said this morning he's not for sale, but hey. That's just uh, making sure you price up. They're not in the best negotiating position currently, are they? No, um, they are going to get in the match. Which one? I, 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 I do think Flavich makes a lot of sense if the Kane deal looks to be undoable. Um, if Levy sits there and won't negotiate, I think that you know, he will turn quickly to the other option. I think that may be Flavich. Yeah. So just uh, from what we have reported, and you can read on nightmin.com now. Uh, there's essentially a list of established targets that United feel can come in and effectively plug into the team straight away and solve their goal problem. They've only scored 52 Premier League goals this season for a team that could finish third. That is not a lot of goals. Uh, Harry Kane, Victor Osserman, Dusan Vlajevic, all can maybe considered options that could fit that bill. But there's another separate list, as Graham's just ran through there, of younger options, I think, that could potentially develop alongside a striker like that or maybe it's a case of they go for a young striker only and they just put their eggs in that basket for not a lot of money but yeah uh, I said on uh, the Promised Land podcast and Man United pod I do uh, separate to this one that I think Mohamed Kudus particularly looks a sensible sensible option I actually come third in the league this season you know they've not had a good year not in a strong negotiating position like they were last year can they might, might, might finish fourth as well. Maybe, we yeah, do. maybe. I mean, and Kudus is a, I think he said he feels like he's a number 10, but he's left foot. He can play from the right. Has played right side a lot for Ajax this year. Can also provide the option of a more of a false nine as well. Essentially, though, he's, what, he's got seven goals, in, seven goals in 11 games centrally. Yeah. For, for Ajax. I, th- I think he's, I think he might be the one to watch. I know they like Sesko, et cetera, but Kudos, Having worked with Ten Hag, looks um, it looks an amazing prospect, isn't it? And especially if they do this earlier in the summer this time around as well, it, it probably get a good value for money there. Mm. Yeah. Do you think the fans got have been won over by? You know, we had that Gakpo thing, didn't we? Last night, where the fans were, oh, we don't want him; he's not centre forward, etc. But I think they've looked at that and thought, if Eric Ten Hag wants this lad and he wants to play there, so be it. Uh, potent- potentially, I mean, the the, dif- the difference that I see with. Kudus compared to Gakpo is I, I, United lack a lot of left-footed options. A lot of them are, are kind of right-footed forwards that more play on the left-hand side and through the centre rather than right and centre. And I think you've only really got Anthony currently who is that left-footed option who can invert from the right. You play Jaden Sancho on the right, the balance goes off. Marcus Rashford is not his natural position. Garnacho is not a right-winger. You've got Ahmad, who can potentially come back into the mix, but isn't necessarily proven Premier League yet, so he might need another year elsewhere. Uh, but for me, uh, I, I think a lot of it obviously depends on the ownership situation. A lot of it depends on how quickly that gets, sorts out, gets sorted out. A lot of it depends on whether they can do a deal with Spurs for Harry Kane. And maybe, I think in an ideal world, United will get two strikers because there's Anthony Martial, who we haven't talked about yet. But, you know... If they can raise some money for him, finally. He looks well off it, doesn't he, Scott? He really does. Uh, Toby, did that look a bit end of daisy to you at the weekend? Yes. Yeah. It, it's felt like that for the last few months. There was pre-season hope, wasn't there? Martial played quite well. In United's pre-season under Ten Hag, injuries have just ruined him again. And 
he looks to have lost that half yard of pace. His confidence is low. He hasn't got the instinct that United need from their centre forward. And you're right, I think that substitution he was off before the hour mark, wasn't he, for Valve course? Yeah. His expression said it all, I think, that he knows United are looking to move on from him. It is just a quite a case for you guys. Can you get a fee for him? No more than fifteen million. I'm just I'm guessing here, but I, I don't think you're getting any more than fifteen million for him, to be honest. If you do end up selling him, he's on huge wages. Uh and your pool of clubs who could potentially take him is quite limited, but we'll see how that develops. And I think, yeah, the fact that Eric Ten Hag has made a habit of substituting him, even though he's fit. I think that's, that's the indicator really. That tell, tell sign. Yeah. It's just not, it's just not that good though, is he really? He's like, <laughs> well, look at it's that 350 games in it, 350 career games. And he hasn't hit a hundred goals yet. It's, Jamie just, Spencer's uh, career prediction for Anthony Martial, RIP. I just, I just, I, I, since 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 the moment he came, I thought he looked good at Monaco. It was a great signing. And ever since he's arrived, just thought, just languid and just he's he's always looked disinterested to me. Yes, uh, a lot of work for United to do over the summer. Uh, none of it done yet. However, we're going to move on to another team now in the Premier League who have reached Europe who have been doing their business, not even that quietly, but they're, they're making an impression for of themselves being very well run. They get things right. They know exactly what they want. We're talking about Brighton. Graham, James Milner's on his way. Jao Pedro is done. Mm. Uh, Alexis McAllister and Moises Caicedo, obviously we talked about McAllister earlier on, could be out the door in the summer. Brighton need to find their replacements have they found one from Serie A yeah they found a few um Moham, Mohammed Dad, Dadud from Dortmund is coming in as well Dahoud. he's doing his medical yeah. yeah he's on his way very good player um the other player they are looking at um one who's just come on the radar um or news is emerging that Brighton have held talks with Sassuolo for David Fratizi um Italian international um holding midfielder outstanding talent who's been looked at by Juventus, Roma. He's in Berlin United in recent days as well, Scott. Um, available for around, we understand, 30 to £35 million. Um, and he's actually someone who Deserbi knows. He was at Sassuolo when Deserbi was there. I think Deserbi, he was, too, he was young then, and Deserbi allowed him to move on. But obviously, he's followed his career um, intensely since then. He's broken into the Italian team. And this looks like, for me, this guy looks like the Caicedo replacement. I know we talked about... Um, McAllister before who may be more the replacement for him but I think this is the Caicedo replacement I think um, it's a very interesting deal it just shows you um, you can you can never tell with these deals because I think we were, we, we waxed lyrical about Leicester's midfield signings last summer and you can never tell with these but you have to trust Brighton and think yeah he looks a very very good signing this boy um, but it's not done Brighton are in talk so um, from what we understand um, but yeah, a really impressive player and doesn't surprise us, does it, that Brighton um, are making some clever decisions already in the transfer market. Can I just add that if they do get that deal over the line, that would be Fratesi, Jao Pedro, James Milner and Dahu, all for less than what they're going to recoup for Alexis McAllister. And that's not even factoring in Moises Caicedo leaving. That's <laughs> going to be under £70 million worth of business to bring in four players, mm. all of various experience and quality. 
moving McAllister on, potentially moving Caicedo on as well. So they're going to make a healthy profit, but the balance of their squad is they're going to bulk out and be in a, a better position to cope with the demands of European football next season. Great. And just as a, a watcher of the championship, what, what can what can we expect from João Pedro? He's had a really, really poor season. Really poor. He he is one of the best players from the championship, but he didn't look anything like it. But he was in a very, very bad Watford team. Watford underachieved massively. Shamir Lassar, we know what a good... He's already shown in the Premier League what a good player he was, and he didn't even stand out in that Watford team. Watford's are a very strange situation, but I like João Pedro. He's full of running. He's going to suit this this team, you know. You can imagine him on the opposite flank to Mitoma. I think I think Pedro is a very clever sign for Brighton. I think he suits them, which is the key, isn't it? It's very well signed these players. You've got to choose players who will fit in the system, which I think they look like they're doing. So, yeah, I think Pedro... Um, you know, he reminds me a little bit of Richarlison, but I think a bit more, a bit more polished to him. You know, uh, not as aggressive, and not many as aggressive players as him. Uh, but yeah, I like, I like Pedro a lot. I think he's um, a very good sign. So that's why Newcastle wanted him. It's quite difficult to stand out in a Watford team that have gone through four managers. They all play oh. different styles of football in different formations. Mm. How's a player meant to find any consistency? And he was, of course, linked with Newcastle last summer. Mm. Newcastle really liked Joel Pedro and came close to doing that deal. Mm. So. I think that tells you everything you need to know about how good he is and how highly rated he is. And look, Brighton, as we've seen over the last few years, they don't pick up players unless they've got something about them. The yeah. analytics and the data will be telling them he's a good signing. Sure. And Fratesi would be a club record, Scott. We know João Pedro is a club record. I think we'll see Brighton break that quite a lot in the coming months. But Fratesi would represent a club record as well if they went through with that one. Uh, Toby, just, just a question for you, really, because Brighton are guaranteed unless the most uh, incredible of turnarounds happens. They're guaranteed to finish sixth. Uh, they play Aston Villa on the final day. They play Man City. So I think they would need to give up a, a goal difference advantage of 16 in two games. And they'd have to lose both their games. But they come in sixth. Yep. Now, you've seen West Ham in Europe over the last couple of seasons. You've seen West Ham in Europe this season go to the final of the Conference League and have a pretty awful Premier League campaign because I'm guessing here that they don't have the squad capable to deal with it. Do you see similar fate for Brighton next yes, season? Yes, it's tough. If you're not used to doing that and you don't have the playing squad that's used to playing north of 50 games a year, it's hard to balance it. Uh, West Ham have had a season of playing Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. You have a, a spate of games, don't you? You get through the six group games. And it's very, very intense in terms of the schedule for those two months that that's happening. We've also had a World Cup this year, so it's thrown things even more out of kilter. But yeah, it's a big thing to take on. And West Ham managed to come sixth and then came seventh last year while getting to the Europa League semi-finals. But we saw West Ham burn out at the back end of last season. Their league form in the final two or three months was terrible. And that's continued into this season. Europe's continued um, going along nicely. Premier League's been more of a struggle. I think Brighton will face similar challenges. Their squad, I would liken to West Ham's, because West Ham's isn't that bad. If you look at the the bench depth uh, and the quality of player, they've only had one or two kids on the bench most weeks. Um, It's established players who have not been able to get into the team. And Brighton's quite similar, but Deserby's rotated his players in recent weeks, hasn't he? And they've, they've either done really well or they've got stuffed. Um, the Everton game being the standout there where they made a raft of changes. We still expected Brighton to win and they got turned over 5-1. So it's not going to be all singing and dancing next year. It's going to be a, a big adjustment for them. 
but I would imagine Brighton will look to sign three or four more players to bulk out on top of these four players that we've already spoken about. Uh, we they've are got going into... Part, they've got some very good players out on loan as well, Scott. We've seen the likes of Undav, Mitoma come back. We did a story on site last week about Simon Adringa, the, the Ivorian wide man who's a union, hugely impressive player. Um, Kabonik, the Polish defender as well, is out on loan. Steven Azeti, the Colombian. So they've already got they've already got these wheels in motion, Brighton, where you say they've got three or four lads who'll just slip back into that squad. From, from almost from nowhere, they're already there. They're, these lads, they're, they're playing on loan out in Germany and Belgium, already getting experience. It's a phenomenal way of working that Brighton have got, and that's what. So they've got these three coming in, and the ones you mentioned, Scott, they've got like six or seven players, international players, coming in. Yes, indeed. I was just going to <clears throat> look at the Premier League table going into the final weekend of the Premier League season. <clears throat> there are some games to play in midweek. I think uh, Man City play Brighton, Man United play Chelsea, and then we'll be at the 37. Let, let's let's hark back to the start of the season. I'll ask you some questions here. Who's going to be the highest finishing United? It's still going to be Manchester United, or it should be. I've got Chelsea at home, Fulham at home on the final day. They should get six points from that, and then they are going to trump Newcastle. Um, I, I I don't know. It's it's a tough one, but hey, they've given me a great run for the money, guys. Have they really have? Newcastle have done me proud, to be fair. Um, um, I don't know. I wonder. I think United only get four points. Man United does. Even though it doesn't really matter, does it? No. Third versus fourth, it really it's a couple million difference, I believe. For them to even to for them to be third and fourth is remarkable. I don't, nobody. Slightly tongue in cheek when I said the highest finish United, I didn't think both would be in the top four. So, and, but who did? Yes, exactly. And the, the other question everything else is pretty much sorted unless Tottenham going to Leeds asked, oh, Tottenham could come seventh. Maybe that's, uh, that's something that will be decided on the last day of the season. The other thing that where all the drama is really going into the final day of the season is who will be the two teams to join Southampton going down. Everton win and they are safe. Is it as simple as them beating Bournemouth and then that's it? Or is this, are we in for a surprise here? Bournemouth, but did, did Bournemouth play Everton last game of the season before when, when Bournemouth beat Everton on the final day but still went down? Um, not last the season before. I can't anyway, remember from yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Something, there's something like that. But um, I think come Sunday, obviously I'll be, I'll be at one of the games. We haven't chosen which one yet. Um, it's going to be one of those days where I think at some point all three of all three will be safe at some point on on that day. I think I think Leicester might be might win out. I think Everton might blow it. There is a, a scenario here where all three teams could finish on thirty four points and separate on goal difference. And who would step then? Leicester, 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 Leicester okay. then Everton, then Leeds. I think yeah, I I think Leicester might sneak it. Okay. The only thing to say about Everton versus Bournemouth, their last four meetings, Bournemouth have won them all. And really? This se- and this season, you might, rec- you might recall this season when Frank Lampard was still in the dugout, they played in the Carabao Cup and the Premier League within the space of four days. Bournemouth won 4-1. Oh, that's then, right, and then, yeah. And then, and then 3-0. So season aggregate is 7-1. Uh, so I wouldn't rule Bournemouth out of that final day. I know they've got nothing to play for, but... 
the final day of the season always throws up a surprise, and you that's going to be a, Everton would be up for it. But that's going to be a nervy Goodison so, Park, right? They're so they're so poor. When you when you I, I listened to the commentary, actually, I don't know where I think I was heading to golf actually in the day. Um, they're throwing Michael Keane up front instead of bringing on Ellis Sims. It reminded, no, it reminded me of guys, and you might not remember this when Stuart Pierce brought on David James against my own Middlesbrough at one point. It reminded me of that. It's like you've got Ellis Sims on the bench, but you're putting Michael Keane up front. And to be fair, Michael Keane set up Yerry Mina for the equaliser. So who am I to, to condemn Sean Dyche? But I think Everton, the lack of it, it's been, it amazed me how much little improvement has been in Everton since Sean Dyche took over. Especially in defence, I think they've looked absolutely woeful. I don't know whether he's been too, too proud or too loyal to Keane and Tarkowski because those two have looked at miles off it, miles off it. And I think that might come back to haunt them. I think Bournemouth are by far the better team, and they'll beat them. Let's uh, round off today's show with a throwback to, well, not a throwback essentially, but Malcolm was on the European football agenda, a Brazilian attacker who was signed by Barcelona a few years ago. It didn't work for him. Uh, I believe he went to Russia. And he's back on the agenda, Graham. Yes, Malcolm in the middle of some transfer talk at the moment. I can't believe it. Um, Yes, um, he's had a sensational season for Zenit. Zenit, who romped to the Russian league title. Um, He had 30 goal contributions in total. And he's got a lot, he's got some very big clubs who have been very impressed by his progress, PSG, but also Arsenal, Man City and Newcastle, we are being told, have also taken note. It's it's a difficult situation. Uh, teams are going to have to buy him. He is corned by some Brazilian businessmen as well. But keep an eye on this one. Malcolm is very much want, a wanted man. And I think he'll be heading back to mainstream European football. Um, might not be easy to get him out, but I think Zenit will sell. Um, and FIFA and UEFA have to rule on it. But yeah, um, Malcolm had a brilliant season with Zenit. And uh, there was always a player in there, wasn't it? It was a shock when he went to Barcelona from Bordeaux, but um, he's really back on track now. It's a bigger shock when he went to Zenit for the same amount of money. Barca somehow got their money back, didn't they? So he's almost reached probably near 100 million euros in career transfer fees. And that was by the time he was 21 or 22. Um, how long has he been at Zenit? Four years. So he's what, 25, 26? There's still a player in there developing. He's obviously now just getting to mm, the peak 26. of his powers. Um, yeah. Still only 26. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, he had a brilliant season game. I think he scored four goals in one game. Um, sensational end. Uh, Graham, one final story. Uh, your beloved Borough. Let, let's go back to, let's go back to them. There is a mm. name that you were desperate to throw into the running order. Uh, a borough I'll, starlet by the name of Hayden Hackney. Yeah, I don't get to talk about Middlesbrough very often in terms of transfers on the pod. Uh, Middlesbrough are going to have to sell this summer um, because of their uh, failure to get promoted. Um, Chubba Akpon was always a player on them on who's going to be on the market. You know, I like Chubba, but I always thought he was a bit of a one-season wonder, if I'm being honest. And he'll be heading to the Premier League. Palace like him. But the player who Middlesbrough fans won't want to be heading to the Premier League is Hayden Hackney. I'm sure Michael Carrick doesn't as well. Sensational young midfielder. He came through the system. Um, he really came on under Michael Carrick. I'm told he's one of the first names in the team sheet under Michael Carrick. Michael Carrick absolutely loves this player. But there are teams looking at him, guys. Um, Arsenal, Liverpool and local rivals Newcastle. He's 19 at the moment, turns 20. They like him a lot. And unfortunately, Mills are in that position where 
if you get a good enough offer, they have to go. But I think Mills will do their best at time. It's tied down to a long-term deal, which he signed in December. But I say there's not many championship clubs who can turn down offers, especially championship clubs who no longer have parachute payments, which Middlesbrough are one of. But yeah, he's a really interesting player, this one. Full of running. Outstanding player, really. Um, and he's also got international teams battling for him as well. He went to Scotland recently for the under-21s. Our understanding that England would look to call him up this summer as well for the under-21s. So he could be switching nationalities um, this summer as well. Interesting. Uh, Graham has to get his uh, borough section in there. But yeah, plenty of developments ahead don't pretend you don't look. You've got a soft spot for us now. Under Michael Carrick, you've got a soft spot for us, Scott. Don't you worried it. about Carrick, Graham? Yes, as a club, again, we talked about losing losing Akpom and Hackney. Yeah, we are worried about Michael Carrick um, going. Um, it's, I'm quite happy to see Annie Slot slotting at Tottenham. Um, it's one club off the agenda, but it's strange that a few of his former clubs are, are looking for managers. West Ham, we, we still aren't 100% sure about, but it looks like Moyes might still leave him if they win that. And I think... I think he'd be an outstanding fit for West Ham. Um, although I think they'd probably go for someone with experience more so. But yeah, um, it's a continual worry when you've got someone as good as Carrick who's come in. But um, I think that's what gives us a bit of confidence, Scott. He's that good that we think even with losing players and the hope he gives others, um, he could still keep us as a promotion contender. Big summer coming up for him. Any final word, Toby? No, I'm looking forward to the season finishing. Is that a weird thing to say? It's no, been a I really, have, really yeah. long campaign. And there were bits on Monday Night Football where Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher were discussing things that happened this season. And it feels like they happened like three or four years ago. So I'm looking forward to this ending. Champions League final, we'll have a little bit of respite. Then we'll get straight back into peak transfer season. It's Women's weird to think that it's Eric Ten Hag's first season. It feels like he's been here years. It's Eric Ten Hag's first season. It feels weird. This time last year, he wasn't United manager. Oh, I hadn't took charge. It, that feels weird to me. This season, Cristiano Ronaldo stormed off after being told to come on in the 89th minute and ran, walked down the tunnel and caused the scene. That's That feels like ages ago. That feels yeah. so long ago. Well, everything, uh, everything pre-World Cup feels like it was a different season. That's yeah. where the discombobulations come from. Um, we'll be yeah. getting back to normal. Uh, from next season fingers crossed unless we get another world pandemic oh, but I did think isn't it don't you think it's very strange that the championship and Premier League begin on the same weekend next season on April August 12th interesting very unusual hmm. very very unusual That that is it from us we'll talk way more on transfers over the course of the next few months and weeks uh, plenty to get your teeth into today we'll see how things develop on the Spurs manager situation Declan Rice's future Man United striking options and a ton more. We'll be back in a week's time to talk more transfers. Please subscribe to the show and all your major podcast platforms and follow us all on Twitter as well, at underscore Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey. 90min.com forward slash talking transfers for all the latest from us, 90min.com for all the general latest from us as well. 90min underscore football on the socials for the 90min brand site etc etc so get in touch with us uh, and we'll see you soon for another talking transfers in a week's time thanks everyone for listening see you soon